0: hello just want to start by saying genuinely happy for those of you swifties who celebrated renaissance and now receive midnight um cheers to you blessings upon your household i hope it fulfills you in the same way renaissance has struck a chord with the beehive uh in the sense that i have not been able to stop listening to it it has me by the neck and I don't really know what to do about it. I do feel bad for Megan Trainer and Carly Rhea Jepsen releasing albums on the same day because they both announced that date months ago and Taylor Swift, similar to Beyonce TBH, came out of nowhere and blew up their spot. It's superstar behavior. It's just the way it is. We do have quite a bit to discuss this week. Honestly, busy, busy drama. Um, Addison Rae's mom and Young Gravy were are apparently together and spotted at the VMAs. It is unfortunate that I know that and that I know what it means. And I do feel bad for Addison Rae because she's literally this little girl that just started dancing on TikTok and now her parents are embarrassing. Um, I also enjoyed Dewan Warwick learning who Young Gravy was on Twitter and then also tweeting about being called Gladys Knight while she was at the US Open. Um, She is quite truly the only person in her age bracket who uses Twitter appropriately. Um, there's obviously quite a bit to cover with the "Don't Worry, Darling" drama. What Olivia said, what Shia LaBeouf said, what Florence hasn't said. The fact that Harry, or that Olivia was exposed the day that I saw Harry, could not believe she was obviously not in attendance. Um, there's more. He said, she said drama, uh, as well with a New York, t- uh, New York, <laughs> New York critic, a New York Times critic, um, and a manless Stenberg over the movie Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Uh, There was a DM. We'll get into it. Um, We'll also get into the Sydney Sweeney drama. I don't think drama is the right word. Just like Twitter discourse, honestly. But it's entertaining to some extent given her recent commentary on having to do SpawnCon because she doesn't come from family money. Um, But we'll get into that discussion as well as her relatives' clothing choices. I briefly touch on the VMAs, but not completely because I couldn't even finish them because I didn't know half the people performing and winning awards because I'm old. Um, I talk about some things that I've previously recommended and watched and um, want to, you know, drop in and let you know, good, bad, ugly. And I also wanna let you guys know, listen, for some of us, me, I hope more of, more of us, I don't know, life with Derek on Disney Channel was important. And I think part of the reason that it was important and I probably should go to therapy for this is that I think we were all watching like, are those stepsisters sisters or step-siblings in love with each other? Like, everyone watching was like, Casey and Derek are hooking up, there's no doubt. They are doing a spinoff. It's a movie based on Casey and Derek raising each raising a child. The original tweet that I saw accidentally made a typo and said their child, which is insane. But it's just so funny considering uh, the tension that they had. But, guys, I'm really happy for all of this. I have no idea where it's going to air considering it is a Canadian program that just happen to be syndicated on Disney Channel and Lord knows I'm not getting Disney Plus for that or for Dancing with the Stars also there's some Dancing with the Stars like I read the other day about like some alleged celebrities and like Charlie D'Amelio which like I think she'll do great right but like we saw this with Heather Morris or whatever these people that are actually trained dancers I feel like people like the women voting if the middle-aged women in Kansas voting are like not interested in trained dancers you know But Steve Irwin's other child is allegedly a contestant. And, like, I'm sorry, but, like, what is the fascination with that family? His sister won a couple years ago. They've all been on, like, the cover of People magazine. I don't get it. Does that make me a bad person? I don't know. Anyway, all of that being said, let's catch up. Let's get into the reason that the episode is titled the way that it is and the kind of thing that keeps me going, you know, the kind of drama that keeps my spirit alive, because it's ultimately not harmful. Like no one's getting hurt. It's not like, the Brad Pitt Angelina Jolie FBI investigation that's very like upsetting and disturbing this is just like very surface level until we get into Shia LaBeouf's allegations right but like the don't worry drama in itself is very surface level so let's dive into it because I wouldn't have named the episode this for any other reason um definitely not saving the best for last this week um If you don't know what I'm about to dive into, I honestly envy you. I envy how full your life must be, okay? The Olivia Wilde joint Don't Worry Darling is slated to premiere at the Venice Film Festival next week and then in theaters September 23rd, and yes, I will be there with bells on. Had no interest in this movie until they started doing all of this, and if it's all PR, it's working, okay? It stars not just Harry Styles and Florence Pugh, but also Gemma Chan, Nick Kroll, and Chris Pine. This is not a small production, it may be a production with a grammatical error since don't worry doesn't have a comma after it before the word darling but no one asked me okay Harry Styles was not the original choice for the lead of this film. The original choice was Shia LaBeouf. Shia, who's been alleged to be an abusive boyfriend, a toxic co-worker, has been arrested for disruptive behavior multiple times. Most recently, he's come out saying his film Honey Boy, which he marketed as being a story of his relationship with his reckless and abusive father, was actually not true, and his father was nothing but loving to him. Yikes. I do not think that Shia is our only liar here. Okay. <laughs> um, before I wanna, before I dive in, I do want to remind everyone of our fun, fun pledge that we make around here, where we approach things with nuance. Okay, people can be bad and harmful, and they can have those personality traits or behavior, but those do are not mutually exclusive with other people's existence. Right, more than one person can be wrong, especially when it comes to Hollywood. So the press for Don't Worry Darling has been weird since Harry and Olivia started dating because we've all suspected it was a PR relationship that had this woman at more Harry Styles concerts than she probably ever wanted to be a part of. For her sake, I hope she's read the idea of you. The first trailer for Don't Worry Darling came out a while back and we all did start worrying about the plot, about whether it was going to scare us, about Harry's accent, but Florence was the first one that we saw doing an interview recently despite her doing no other promotion for the film. Um, which started to exacerbate rumors that her and Olivia had not gotten along on set due to Olivia's fawning over Harry and Florence essentially having to take over directorial duties. Directorial? Directorial. Oop, I don't know. It didn't sound right. That hard eye. Um, Directing duties (laughs) near the end of shooting. So if you spend as much time as I do reading blinds, Thorne's not promoting the film wasn't super surprising. She's done very little talking about Don't Worry Darling in the press. And all Olivia can do is talk about how fabulous Thorne's pew is to work with. Like, are we overcompensating? It seems like it. So what was surprising here was Florence was um, doing an interview, I forget for which magazine recently, and um, they asked her about the film, and she said, you know, it's important that it's not focusing on sexuality, despite a scene of Harry Styles going down on her being in the trailer and fangirls reacting very normally and rationally to that. Um, But Florence makes this comment, and everyone's like, of course, of course. And then the surprise comes in Miss Olivia almost immediately contradicting her in an interview that, let's be honest, they were likely probably done around the same time. They had no idea about the other. But Olivia does this interview about her desire for the movie to capture female pleasure and how that was incredibly important to her. So we have these two women in the press saying different things about the movie, and one of them hasn't said anything else about the movie. And then when she speaks about it, the director's interview comes out in direct opposition to what she said. One essentially saying, don't make a big deal about something. It's not a big deal. And the director almost immediately responding, maybe like fun, right? Yes. Um, That was not the craziest thing that Olivia Wilde would say last week. (laughs) She, in this same interview, proceeds to not confirm that she fired Shia LaBeouf, despite those being the rumors saying that um, you know, he wasn't meshing with the vibe. He wasn't compatible with her set and her working environment, which if Shia wasn't so chaotic, probably would have been a pill we could all swallow. But because he is so chaotic, we all believed that he was like not meshing with her environment or whatever. And we were like, that makes sense that he would let her go. But like, maybe it was a little mutual. What do we know? So then... Shia releases a video she sent to him driving down the road begging him to come back to the production. How embarrassing. Are you not embarrassed? No but really I'm so embarrassed for her. So first of all she's driving down the road. Let's not do that okay. Then she starts it by saying sorry I just got off a horse which is insane. She's like a little sweaty. Again I just I don't trust her oh like y'all know me y'all know my propensity to believe women but I I do believe a woman and it's Florence Pugh okay <laughs> so she starts it by going Shia 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 <laughs> I'm just not ready to give up just yet and then she goes on and she says why he should come back and she goes maybe this will be a good wake-up call for Miss Flo The minute she said Miss Flo, I was done. I was like, get out of here with your performative feminism being so condescending to this young woman who has clearly expressed some sort of discomfort working with Shia LaBeouf. Can't imagine why. Hmm. She's every right to say that she's uncomfortable with literally anyone if Olivia Wilde is trying to sell female sexual pleasure here. Pleasure. Pleasure here. Certainly a man with a record like this more so than anyone else. You know what I mean? Like she could say it about anyone, and Olivia Wilde should take her at her word. But her saying that, which we don't know that she said this, right? Like, but based on everything, the inferences that have been made, it kind of seems like, you know, despite Olivia's heart and her mind, and whatever she wants, she had to come back to work, that Florence clearly was not comfortable with it. Makes sense to me. Makes sense to me. We have not heard from Olivia since. Receipts. How awkward. How awkward. Where did this video come from? How did Olivia originally send it? Why does Shia keep it? I have a lot of questions, but the belief is that Olivia wanted Shia to come back and he said he didn't think it was a good or healthy working environment or whatever. I obviously do not want him to be in this film, but I feel like the vibe with him would have been very different, so I'm curious what she was really going for. There are just so many really spectacular and age appropriate, I might add, love interests for Florence Pugh that she could have cast that don't have like an actual criminal history. I think that when he was cast, he had not yet been um, charged with any crimes. I think it was just allegations, Uh, but still, you know, you can you can cast men that haven't had these sorts of allegations against them, you know, whose exes didn't say that he um, kept a gun under his pillow while she was sleeping in bed with him because he didn't want her to be able to get up ever to do anything, including not just leave him, but pee. Maybe we don't have to cast that man, you know? Maybe we don't have to cast a white guy too, you know? Maybe. Maybe there were some other options, but, um, I am worried, darling. I really am, but I am probably going to go see this movie. (laughs) Oh man. Booksmart was just so good. I was really excited for her to keep directing, but, uh, Olivia, Olivia, it's seeming a bit, a bit testy and Jason Sudeikis is just producing season three of Ted Lasso and not saying a word. Can't blame him. The VMAs were this past Sunday. They're always so chaotic. Artists just like moseying around on a stage. The pairings of the artists were insane. They kept cutting to the audience and showing Jimmy Fallon and Taylor Swift because they think there were not that many famous people there. Um, I mean, the VMAs are just not what they used to be. And I guess that makes me an old person. I'm fine with it. Um, LL Cool J started the show by saying straight out of New Jersey, which was just, you know, that I love LL Cool J and I respect him. I really do. I respect a man who can wear the same hat for decades on end and still own it. Um, but I do worry about him a little bit when he does things like this because I just feel like he doesn't have to, right? Did they end in CISLA? I don't know. Um, he started it. He was hosting with Nicki Minaj and Jack Harlow or something. I don't know. I was so confused because I was like, how are we having people who are winning awards also hosting the show but like split up so Nicki Minaj like did her whole video vanguard performance won the award and then came out in like a very similar but not exactly the same like Barbzy 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 um I think Barbzy works right it's Barbs and Barbie um but it was a Barbie look whatever anyway so Lizzo performed which we love you know she had a great look on the carpet as well it was giving VMAs you know it was appropriate um Jack Harlow opened the show and this is this is how you know I was paying attention at the beginning and not at the end because I can't tell you anything about the second half but I can tell you guys that Jack Harlow opened the show on like a plane kind of thing so he was doing that first class song and he's walking down the center aisle of the plane there's like you know, celebrities seated left and right, and he's, like, interacting with them, and it's, like, kind of weird, kind of funny or whatever, and I'm, like, these, these bits are cute, but, like, I like the photo that Lil Nas X took from the moment, you know, and posted that. Anyway, then he has Fergie come out, which, like, God love her, you know, glad that she's still getting the streaming money from Glamorous, um, because of Jack Harlow, DJ Khaled began screaming not even 10 minutes in and I think that's when I decided that I was too old for this. He was just like yelling like what's his new song called or his new album or whatever On oh, God, That's God, Thank God, whatever. I needed Excedrin. He wouldn't stop screaming and I was like this bit that you're doing was kind of funny like a decade ago but it, now it's just really annoying um, and he was, he came out with Offset and Offset just had a mic and kept going, you're in the background. And I was like, Cardi B is 10 times funnier than this man, but like, I can't even really get into heterosexual relationships and the reality of a woman that funny being with a man who just yells, you're in the background. But, um... Anyway, DJ Khaled is just so annoying and then at this point in my notes it just kind of says like there was a filter during Khalid's performance that was blurry and slowed down and presumably meant to like mimic being under the influence and I was very stressed out by it and did not like it and so I watched like bits and pieces of the rest of it. Um, barely paying attention. So I saw some people that I didn't know. I saw that country singer perform in a field in New Jersey. And then I saw Bad Bunny perform. And I was like, oh, I knew people were going to that concert. I didn't realize it was a crossover event with the VMAs. Very cool for him. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Did anything else happen? Not that I remember. Oh, Taylor Swift announced the album. Duh. That happened, obviously. Um, I do really want her to get a better stylist though and I know you're all going to be like isn't this an easter egg for the thing that's fine it could have been done better I'm not mad at her I just feel like if she is this like absolute pop superstar she just could have more dynamic looks you know like you saw what Lizzo was wearing like Lizzo has very much achieved like diva fashion status on a red carpet like right out of the gate I feel like she's had some iconic looks already and I just feel like Taylor Swift does not have as many and I want them for her I do my first question I don't know what it is because I think it might be like are we all thinking before we're posting or maybe is it, is being a nepotism baby so ingrained in who you are that you never once think that you're in a position of privilege or it maybe it is, does being a New York times critic absolve you of a sense of humor? I don't know which one of those it is, but maybe it is an amalgamation of the three I'm discussing Lena Wilson and Amanda Stanberg uh kind of getting into it last week it actually started 2 weeks ago and crossed multiple social media platforms which is very cool and very 2022 of us um i saw the initial tiktok and was like oh that's kind of disappointing from a manla which i think was lena's intention but boy oh boy oh boy did she leave out context um i would love to provide it personally Lena Wilson is a white lesbian culture critic for the New York Times and I'm not just saying those things because it's important for me to identify people as they speak of them but more so because it's important to the story because I, unlike Lena, understand context. This woman wrote a review about the movie Bodies, Bodies, Bodies that I will not be seen but y'all enjoy. It's the one with Lee Pace and Pete Davidson and Amanda Stamberg. Her review was not particularly kind, but specifically, she wrote about how the movie was, quote, a 95 minute long advertisement for cleavage in the new Charlie XCX song, which is kind of wild, but okay. like I haven't seen the movie. Maybe it is. Spoiler alert, it was not Uh, because people were very quick to be like, yeah, Amanda isn't in a bikini the whole time like Spring Breakers. She's in a tank top. She's just existing with boobs, which is a separate conversation that we as a society have to have. Anyway, Amanda clearly reads the review, she gets her hands on it somehow, and she decides to um, message Lena thinking that they'll have a funny little queer laugh over this because Amanda is also queer. Um, and she says, "Hi, Lena, read your review. Maybe if you had taken your eyes off my boobs, you could have enjoyed the movie. Is it funny? Critically? No. Um, I'm also a critic, see? uh does it seem lighthearted in the context of what lena wrote kind of like it doesn't seem either way that it should be taken that seriously a man let's said she thought it was hilarious i feel like hilarious is certainly a stretch here because to just message someone out of the blue and say read your review maybe if you could have taken your eyes off my boobs you could have enjoyed the movie isn't objectively that funny but it's definitely not that serious lena takes it seriously she gets on tiktok and she posts this solemn video including a screenshot of the private dm from a manla and she says you know hi i don't get on here very often i don't check my dms very often which i don't believe either one of those things i just don't believe the convenient factor that you like never are on tiktok and you never check your dms and then when you happen to check your dms you're like what should i do make a tiktok anyway So she gets on TikTok, she makes this thing, says, I don't check my DMs, but it was important for me to post this because she wasn't going to, quote, let this person with greater social power than her win. Now telling everyone that Amanda had greater social power than her might have been her greatest mistake, right? It's all sloppy and not great. Posting a personal DM from like a celebrity who just messaged you about your review is kind of weird anyway, because it's like, I feel like that has to happen a decent amount to like critics and people who review things, right? I don't know, like, surely celebrities that are in the things you review reach out to you with either appreciation or criticism for what you wrote it has to be just part of the job but what do I know I'm not a critic just kidding I have a podcast um but I think the thing about saying that Amanda had greater social power than her really rubbed people the wrong way because people were like initially on Lena's side they were like that's weird that she wrote that to you is she homophobic like writing to a lesbian to take her eyes off boobs like that's so uncomfortable and then like always olivia wilde can tell you the receipts are going to come out by receipts in this case i quite literally mean the review with the line that amandla was referencing that lena neglected to include in her TikTok, which was very convenient which made it look like amandla was just coming after her for no reason the receipts are going to come out so amandla posts on her instagram story that she's sorry she offended people but she's sick of people discussing her chest her entire career Then we also find out that Lena's dad is an editor for the New York Times which is convenient and Lena starts to back off but not before people find out that she's also in an anti-trans Facebook group which honestly they will make a Facebook group for anything and it's all because Mark Zuckerberg wanted to rank how hot girls were at Harvard. I mean talk about the butterfly effect. (laughs) Anyway she's tweeted anti-trans stuff before but she's also made tiktoks about how she got her job and says things like i'm good at writing and quote i have a perspective i have a perspective really sets me off and i wasn't planning i'm gonna rant on this briefly everyone has a perspective that's literally what being alive is it's why and how people agree and disagree we all quite literally have perspectives because we are alive we are sentient humans every moment requires perspective You just think for some strange reason that yours is better or more important than anyone else. She was bragging about getting a barely edited review in the New York Times at 24 like daddy didn't help her. I'm so annoyed by someone saying that having a perspective is an integral part of being successful as a critic. We all have perspective. That's why I'm talking right now. I have perspective of Lena Wilson being annoying and thinking she was going to weaponize her privilege against a young black actress who has already been through the Hunger Games, Lena. Anyway, the point of all of this... I don't know if there's a point, but there is perspective. Am I right? No, but I just think it's interesting, I guess, that this woman was going to post this DM sent to her by someone randomly and essentially try and say, she kind of came after me. When in reality, this girl was trying to say, like, you said the movie was an advertisement for cleavage. That was kind of offensive to me because I'm just a human woman with boobs. And Lena really tried to make it seem like she was in the right here it was very weird just very weird but like I said really crossed over those social media lines because Amanda was updating her Instagram stories and then people were reposting them on TikTok um, you have to love collaboration she was rue in the Hunger Games if you guys missed that connection mm-hmm. My second question this week, and I feel like I'm just annoyed with everyone in the question section of Let's Catch Up This Week, but um, my second question is, why are we acting surprised by Sydney Sweeney's family slash why do we care? Sydney Sweeney, I feel like we all know who she is, but if not, she's your girl Cassie from Euphoria. Um, she's been in the news recently, initially because of her two Emmy nominations that we discussed here, excitedly, I might add. Um, and then things, things went a little sideways. Um, she was doing an interview with The Hollywood Reporter, and she said that she wouldn't be able to even take six months off to have a baby because she doesn't make that much money. And people were like, okay. And she was like, essentially, TV does not pay as much as it used to. And she doesn't get residuals because of streaming, which for what it's worth, she's been in multiple HBO programs. Um, what's that one with ADM? Sharp Knives? Sharp Objects. Sharp Knives. <laughs> well, yikes. Sharp Objects. Um, and then obviously Euphoria and the White Lotus. Multiple HBO programs. No network TV to make residuals off of. Just saying. Just saying. Like the office is constantly running on some television program and so is Parks and Rec. You know? So she's been on these HBO programs. She doesn't make any residuals. She says TV doesn't pay what it used to. And then she has to give X percentage to her lawyer, X percentage to her publicist, her stylist, her agent, so on, so forth. She wouldn't even have enough to live off of if she was just acting, if she wanted to stop and have a baby, which she says she does. She says she wants to be a young mom. Sydney is 24 and allegedly engaged to a 37-year-old man named Jonathan. Jonathan. Neither will confirm it after she was spotted with an engagement ring. You know, it's not my not, not my business, but, you know, here's hoping that she ends up released because that man really hopped on the train, you know? Clearly not the gravy train. She's not making that much money, but, you know, he hopped on the popularity train. Anyway, if it's real love, I hope they last forever, I guess. Anyway, she does this spawn con, right? So if you go to her Instagram, it's full of it, full of paid partnerships. She's a Moo Moo brand ambassador. She does ads for Laneige uh, lip products. She recently partnered with Tori Birch. And she says she does these things because she has to, which I'm sure those brands love to hear. But she has to make this spawn con money because she doesn't have family money to fall back on if a job doesn't come through to pay her the mortgage of her $3 million house in LA. Not being petty, just being honest here. She's obviously rich and very fortunate, and she's really having the moment right before all of this happened. Like, she really, I I understand she was keeping the calendar book because she was striking while the iron gets hot, but she's not obscenely rich. And as she points out, she's not a nepotism baby. She doesn't have grotesque amounts of family money to rely on, like plenty of other people in the industry, notably her on screen sister, Maude Apatow, comes to mind. They have done a lot of interviews together and said they're very close. Curious to hear what Maude thinks of all this. So she keeps working. She keeps grinding. I understand what she's saying. We all understand the luxury of nepotism babies, not just because they get a foot in the door, but also because daddy's movies have kept you from ever worrying about student loan debt or credit card debt or living paycheck to paycheck at all. Sydney Sweeney is from Washington state. She grew up lower middle class, self-described, not me putting some sort of brackets because like, is there a middle class? That's a different podcast. Her family moved to LA when she was a teenager to pursue her acting dream, which is always wild to me, but. Now, she's a two-time Emmy nominee, and her mother had her 60th birthday party over the weekend. And when her mother turned 60, the theme that they went with was make 60 great again. Okay, so it's not like a great start. We're going to give them some slack. They've got the hats. You know which ones. And everyone's in kind of Western-themed attire, which certainly doesn't help where things are headed. And then Sydney posts, you know, a photo dump of all of the pictures from the weekend and one includes a cousin or someone in the background with one of those thin blue line t-shirts and the internet lost it. The internet in this uh, specific scenario does mean Twitter. People were like, she looked at that photo and thought nothing was wrong with it and just posted it. She said, oh yeah, whatever. It's a Blue Lives Matter t-shirt, but who cares? No worries that blue lives aren't a real thing because cops are humans that choose that job and black people are born black and that's why Black Lives Matters makes a difference. But happy birthday, mom. Ultimately, do I care about her political or her family's political beliefs? No. Do I care about their belief system towards the lives of people that don't look like them? Yes, but also no. Right? Like, I care what they think, and I care that they think that way because I disagree. You know, perspective. Lena Wilson taught us about that, right? But I also don't care in the grand scheme of Sydney smee's work. I'm not going to stop watching her because of it. I'm not naive enough to believe that every person whose content I consume believes the same things as me. In this instance, I really, truly, deeply wish they did, but I don't think I'm going to be able to change her cousin's mind, and I certainly don't think that the backlash on Sydney is going to do it. It it was a weird time. It was very much a tornado and it was quick and Sydney tweeted out something about stop jumping to conclusions. I just was trying to celebrate my mom, which, you know, I don't think that she's paying the publicist enough to have run that tweet by her, but that's a different story for a different day. I think if Sydney herself starts spouting out dangerous and bigoted viewpoints, we obviously say we're not fans anymore and we move on, but we can't hold her accountable for the tacky and unfortunate merch that her cousin was clearly just passing through the photo wearing. I just, I can't, have that much effort to care. And guys, maybe I'm talking about this because I'm ultimately proud of myself for not getting caught up in the Twitter sphere because I get caught up very quickly. It's why I just talked about that whole Lena Wilson thing. That thing was silly. This is also silly. It's all very silly. okay I have a real quick what are we watching what are we listening to what are we paying attention to I just want to drop this in I'm very excited to watch this movie called honk for Jesus save your soul it's not what you think (laughs) it's premiering on Peacock and in theaters September 2nd and I feel like supporting it financially is wise because it doesn't seem like it's gotten a lot of press so I mean I don't want to tell anyone to go to the movies obviously but I think I might it stars Sterling K Brown um this is us girls if you want to you know Buckle up and get to the theater. And Regina Hall, who I hope I've done a good enough job documenting on this podcast that I adore and think is one of the most underrated funny people on the planet. It's produced by Jordan Peele and Daniel Kaluuya. And Sterling K. Brown and Regina play a mega church pastor and his wife who are attempting to rebuild their careers after a scandal. And they've hired a documentary crew to film their reascension. So I think it's, I mean, you know, it's always going to be timely, but here's hoping that it's as funny as I want it to be, um, because we want success for all of those people that I just listed out. Um, but it looks pretty funny. I don't know. We'll see, I guess. I'll keep you updated. Okay. We're going to do a quick, like, um, almost revisionist history thing. Because I recommend a lot of things that are like coming out or that are new and then I never really get a chance to follow up because either I decide not to consume them because I'm rewatching New Girl or um, because I just don't even think about it because there's other new things coming out and so I'm just regurgitating it. So I feel like this is a good week to go over some other things because we're going to get fall TV soon and I know I've talked about some of it but once we get into all of that and um, then like... Christmas movie season and stuff which honestly there is a new rom-com coming to Netflix that I'm gonna watch and it's that one where they get double booked in a villa and I'm not proud of it but it's my truth um okay so I'm gonna start with the show The Resort on Peacock I'm gonna go ahead and start by saying I did not make it very far. I always get bummed about shows that have like a nagging wife kind of element and this opens with a couple on their 10th wedding anniversary and she seems very uninterested in the whole thing and then falls off a four-wheeler, sees an old flip phone and is suddenly fascinated by it, goes into town to find a charger for it and I was just like, who would ever do this, much less on their vacation? So that did not last very long but if you started it and you loved it, I love that for you. I really, truly do. Um, Next, I tried A League of Their Own. I have seen all the talk about it. I love Abby. I love Darcy Carden. This is a broad city house, you know? I was really excited about this. Gonna be honest with you, I'm not sure why. I think it was just because it's fun, famous people. Um, But it has a very modern sense of humor and intonation from the beginning. I think I might keep up with it. I this feels like an embarrassing thing to admit, have never seen the original A League of Their Own. I hope no one crashed their car when I said that. I just feel like it's I mean, I've never seen The Godfather either, and I feel like that's significantly more shocking. But at a certain point in your life, you just have to have one of those movies, you know, where people are like, what's a famous movie you've never seen or whatever? And for me, it's just The Godfather. Like at this point, I can't see it because then I wouldn't have an answer to that question because I don't think A League of Their Own is a good enough answer to that question. Anyway, my point being, I'm not really sure how much it aligns with the original in that way. Like, I saw an interview of Abby talking about how there were not any queer characters at all in the original, which I don't know if that's true. Someone will correct me, I'm sure, if I'm wrong. But if that is true, then inherently the show's very different in that way. But to some extent, I wonder how beneficial it might have been for them to just do a completely original show about women playing baseball in the 40s or whatever and then do like a Land Bridgerton kind of casting thing where you don't have this all-white cast because watching the show I understand why it was all white I'm not dumb like I took American history classes not to brag but part of me is like, what's the point if we're not like completely going to align with the movie? And this is also a TV show based off of a movie. So I don't know. I mean, I guess they cut someone a check. Maybe Rosie O'Donnell and Tom Hanks are getting a nice check from this. I do not know. But talking about the mostly white cast, I shouldn't have said all white, mostly white. There is one black girl and she has family and friends that are introduced and they made me laugh the most, honestly, and I doubt we will get more time with them, um, but you know out of the first episode they were my favorites um out of what we've previously discussed tv wise on amazon prime I also started paper girls guys I'm gonna be honest with you I have no idea what's going on but I am into it (laughs) I think it was based on a comic originally so I probably could do some research and find out a little bit more about it um but I could also just watch the tv show um, there's some time travel and some violence and girls on bikes with a creepy sky it's giving stranger things, but I'm into it kind of makes me want to watch season two of the wilds I just wasn't committed don't judge me um but what I liked most about this show was that at one point they were running through a forest and one of them was like stop and they all had to slow down because we're not always all training to be running away from bad guys in forests or in woods or in open fields and I'm tired of fictional television and movies acting like everyone has the cardiovascular strength to escape I You know, we need to be realistic and I appreciate having realistic cardiovascular strength represented in media. That's my representation, okay? Thank you very much. Even as a teenager, I can run for a while, but like how long are we running through this forest? We don't really have a goal. We're just running from these bad guys. It's important that we're all represented in media. Thank you. Oh people, thanks for making it this far. Great news. Next episode we'll be able to do almost Bachelorette finale. Do you guys like how I've barely talked about this season? Talking about Sydney Sweeney and SpawnCon. These people at ABC embarrassed themselves on the Mintel All. This season could have been so good with these two women, and we just have gotten like absolute peanut shells truly like just just scrounging on the floor at um what's that restaurant where they let you put the shells on the floor y'all know what I'm talking about um yeah it's just been really upsetting but we'll be close to the finale by the next episode we'll also have Emmy winners ready to roll um and Honestly, maybe by the next episode, Serena Williams will have won the U.S. Open so we can stop listening to Chris Everett. How about them apples? Um, yeah, I think that's it for me. Oh, guys, I have something embarrassing to admit. So when JLo and Ben Affleck got engaged, I subscribed to On the JLo, her email distribution newsletter situation, because I wanted the insider details of the engagement, but I signed up after the engagement, rookie mistake. So I didn't get any engagement news. I got the same thing everyone else saw. This week, I got the wedding details sent straight to my inbox, including her repetitively talking about how they've dreamt of this for the longest time because, you know, it's been decades, um, their love story, and also how she was like, I, I planned every inch of this. So if you want any details, you guys let me know and I'll shoot them straight to your inbox. And I didn't believe her until I started to see some of the details and then I started to think maybe she didn't have any help. Maybe she did this all on her own. But they got married in Georgia on the like plantation style Um, land that Ben Affleck tried to sell years ago because it was associated with his relative who was a slave owner in Georgia. And like, the thing is, no one's going to sit here and be like, Ben Affleck, what? You're a white man who had white relatives in Georgia? And you're telling me it's like, yeah, okay, no one's asking you to rewrite history, Ben Affleck, but it's weird that you tried to put it on the market right after and you asked the architects to build something that was plantation style when you got it built. And then when, all the news came out about your civil war era slave owning relative you tried to sell it and then you couldn't sell it because no one wanted to buy that piece of property so you ended up getting married to Jennifer Lopez on it and she called it our backyard so i guess they're going to be spending a lot of time there i don't know if you guys saw but Jennifer Garner was at a Sam's Club in West Virginia during the wedding i'm not kidding you i know it's embarrassing that page 6 covered that and that i read it but You know she's really important to me and I think it's important that we remember her you know in the midst of this I feel like it's probably not a trying time for her I feel like she's just fine based on everything I just said about the plantation I feel like she's just fine not getting (laughs) married down there anyway um subscribe to on the J-Lo I guess I don't know maybe don't and I'll just keep updating you guys every time that I receive something about it oh and Leonardo DiCaprio and his 25 year old girlfriend broke up but I did see something interesting and it, um, you know, made me think, you know, that's, that's us as a society. We all say that old man broke up with his 25-year-old girlfriend, but smart women say these 25-year-old women turn 25, their brains are fully grown, and they realize that they don't want to be with a man who hasn't changed at all in 20 years and behaves exactly the same. And I love that perspective and that's what I'm going with. But the idea of him just, like, seeing their birthday and being like, and it begins. <laughs> is genuinely funny. Well, I guess that's all. Thanks for catching up. Bye!